We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. What is going on, Roto-Grinders? Welcome back to the NFL Pick 6 show here at rotogrinders.com. Week number 11, fully in double digits. Usual suspects are here with us once again. Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis, John Daigle from NBC Sports, and a good football show podcast. Daigle, how are uh, how are things in your world? How are things at uh, you know Camp Silva? Week eleven, everything going well. Coming off a good, not great, but good three to four x week. Uh, we talked about Kirk Cousins in depth and the Chargers injuries, despite them being a good secondary to that point, but just not having not having enough bodies. And you know, it took a couple of luck. It took Cousins maybe not trying to throw to Tyler Conklin, but nonetheless binding Tyler Conklin for a couple touchdowns there. Also Justin Jefferson getting there in a squeaky wheel week. So overall a, a pretty good week. Also something interesting I've noticed throughout the year and the sharpest year of DFS ever is that Mike Williams, you know, we talked about him and he was an awesome tournament play. What is happening this year though, even in like mid and high stakes is that Keenan Allen who obviously was the better play, and we called Mike Williams the better tournament play because he's supposed to be less rostered, was literally 15 to 20% more rostered. Thus, Mike Williams was not the better tournament play at all. Keenan Allen was both the better play and the better tournament play, and it just seems to be like we're outsmarting ourselves for cash plays because we're just forgetting about them, thinking we should look for these sharper, thinner options. And that's something that, uh, just another thing I noticed last week. Right before he went on air, I saw somebody on Twitter, which I can give him the credit for, but giving a note basically talking about Mike Williams, his deep ball is just not happening anymore. I'm not really sure why, if it's a small sample. Do you have a take on that? Are you aware of that? Or is, this, is that small sample nonsense? Or they're not throwing him deep balls anymore for whatever reason. Well, it was supposed to happen last week and did not, so I have no take beyond that. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the Vikings uh, on the show, but I mean, you know, when you look at you know Herbert uh, right now, I mean, he, he's 33rd now in the NFL on percentage of throws, uh, 20 yards or further downfield. Uh, you know, he's a guy that you would project to maybe have a lower eight out than some quarterbacks and, and naturally because two of his top targets are Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, guys who are going to operate in that, you know, kind of area of the field. But when you look at it from a structure stance, you have kind of a couple big tells. Uh, like one is a dot, you know, using play action is, uh, you know, below league average. Then you look at last week, he his a dot from a clean pocket was 4.8 yards like that's structure. That's not, you know, that that's play design. 
That's not him. You from a clean pocket, his depth of target was under five yards. He didn't throw one pass over 20 yards downfield last week against the Vikings, who are that's like literally the way to beat the Vikings is the throw downfield. Uh, yeah, it was an odd game plan, and his season long, you know, uh, sample is very low. The only quarterbacks to throw further amount of their passes uh, on deep balls are Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, and Daniel Jones. Even though Justin Herbert, when he does throw downfield, is awesome at it. So, you know, there you have it. So I thought I, the Chargers were, were sharp. I was told they're sharp. They like still want to go for it in fourth down, which I appreciate. I mean, all, well, they had a couple of, they've had injuries in right guard and right tackle. But I mean, even when they run play action, all it is is like a play action, like pass to like Keenan Allen or like one of the tight ends in the flat. That's like three yards downfield. And then it's like second and seven. And it's like, cool. You do a three yard pass and play action. Like, uh, yeah, it's been gross. Uh, it's been really gross. Uh, but uh, here we are, man. Here we are. Look at us. That is the chunk of our Chargers analysis because, you know, we focus on the main slate here. Uh, Chargers do play Sunday night, so we're not really going to talk about them so much. Pittsburgh Char- Chargers, not talking about that game. Uh, Monday night, we're not talking about the Giants or Tampa. Thursday, no Pats or Falcons. Uh, and, of course, Denver and the Rams are on by. We focus on the main slate, how this goes down. If this is your first time here, first time here, week 11. Where have you guys been? Uh, three main games. We're going to talk about three games from every possible angle. Then we're going to kind of run it back, our fair plays at each position, and, you know, players and games that we did not focus on just yet. The three games, well, I mean, Daigle, this is like, we couldn't, this couldn't hide, right? This game is, it's, you know, the sore thumb, whatever you want to call it. The three games we're focusing on, you picked the Dallas-Kansas City game. Kansas City, uh, two and a half point favorite here, 56 total we're looking at. It's clearly the most obvious, you know, game jumping off the board uh, as far as total, as far as skills, position players, as far as DFS. We can't ignore it. We got to talk about it. Do you have a general thought before we kind of fully dive in uh, on this Dallas-Kansas City game? Overall, not really. Um, It seems like another week, honestly, where you will have options to pivot for running backs at at similar prices. And so if it gets log jammed on a couple players that are going to be highly touted, probably even on this show, there are terrific pivots as we wait for injury reports. Um, other than that, though, I've been looking at quarterbacks as well. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks that have good matchups this week. And, you know, everyone's going to be focused pretty much on Dak and Mahomes more so than even Lamar, who I think everyone will expect to play down against the Bears. So it, it's an interesting spot at the top, thinking maybe you can get away with a, a cheapy quarterback as well. Yeah, it's funny. I ran my optimals before the show. This is kind of generally the case as always on FanDuel. Just the way the salaries work, the way the structure works, you spend up on a quarterback on Fandle and on DK right now. A couple of quarterbacks we'll talk about later on. Uh, you know, <laughs> the cheapies that are popping for us in the models are uh, well, Cam geez. Newton. Yeah, yeah, Cam Newton, which that's <laughs> going to be a fun conversation, and Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr's a five nine on DK, seven two on Fandle, and you know, and obviously we're recording this on a Wednesday night and things change and, you know, guys get ruled out and all of a sudden value opens up and you don't necessarily have to consider Cam Newton in cash in the year 2021. But, you know, that's what we're seeing on a Wednesday night. I don't feel comfortable about it. We'll have that conversation. Uh, but Rich, I imagine you're comfortable with both quarterbacks in the dallas Kansas City game. Yeah, I will talk about that game. You know, think about something that Daniel talked about too, about Mike Williams and where he ended up getting is that you know, you forget during the week, man, like everyone is looking at all the same stuff that we're looking at, you know, no, no, no one has like a skeleton key and, you know, you end up, and if you listen to like, you figure people that consume this show or 
consume like, you know, it's a show that Evans are on or whatever your favorite DFS shows, you consume multiple of them. You'll start to hear like that, you know, that, that name be brought up on each show. And it just kind of, it'll just kind of bleed into you. And by the end of the week, these guys are super highly owned. I mean, we knew Mike Evans was going to be super highly owned too. And he's another guy that like should never be like 40 or 50%, like in any tournament. And, you know, the same archetype of receiver, right? Like, and he almost didn't get there too. Like he almost completely busted. Uh, so like, yeah, I mean, you have to remember that during the week, it's Wednesday, uh, you're going to hear some of these names brought up millions of times. And, you know, you have to always go back and circle back on Sunday morning, even Saturday night when you're, you know, you're going to to do your primary builds and kind of see exactly where these guys are really looking at projected ownership. Same thing happened with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin too. Um, Evans came in 30 to 35% higher roster than Godwin, even though we knew it was a good spot for Godwin and Evans only scored a point and a half more. So it still made Godwin like the better option, especially for larger field tournaments. Um, since he was $200 more, it was just obvious everyone was going to go Evans over him. So little scenarios like that, there's probably a better name than teammate pivot. I'm trying to think of something catchy. Rich is usually better at that than myself, but uh, we'll think of something because the teammate pivot has been pretty popular this year just to get off the one option that everyone is looking at and just go to the other player. Rich, you got anything on the fly? Now, Tom, I had, I feel like we got to have some, some kind of like, it's got to be like some kind of like sibling correlation or something like that. We, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll, we'll work on it. Taking taking suggestions, chat. Go in the chat. (laughs) There you go. What's up, chat? We we sometimes you don't acknowledge them. We let's acknowledge them this week. Uh, What up, chat? Do like, do subscribe, turn on notifications. Most people listen to this show on the rewind, on on the playback. You know, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, whenever Friday, whatever it may be. But uh, some of y'all watch, hang out with us uh, live. We do appreciate that. And if uh, yeah, if you give us a good name, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Not only is that Dallas Kansas City game the highest total on the board, but the other part of it is that you know two powerhouse offenses. It's also projected at the most gate, uh, most actual plays in the game. 131.7, according to Derek Carty's the blitz game level factors. Uh, it all sort of correlates. Um, Rich, well, I'm going to put it to you right now, Rich. Do you want Dak or do you want Mahomes? Like right from the get. Like they're both great, obviously. It's Who, who do you want to start with? These, this game is ultra hard to stack. It's like I've really tried to build some lineups around it, and it's hard. Like to play all the pieces you want, because everyone's expensive. Like there's like two cheap dudes, and it's Byron Pringle and uh, Michael Gallup. Like everyone Gallup. else is expensive. Like, but everyone else is expensive. So if you're gonna play these guys, you're trying to stack this game. We're gonna need some interesting pivots, man. Like there are you guys that to build out your lineup, and you know we don't have it. It's not like last week, right? Like we don't. Maybe something will materialize later in the week. But, you know, it's not like last week where we're getting all these, you know, free, chalky, you know, five to six K running backs on both sites. Uh, we'll see what, what develops later in the week. But, you know, Dearness Johnson bumped all the way up if something happens to Nick Chubb. Uh, Mark Ingram bumped up. Uh, you know, he wasn't bumped up completely on FanDuel. But, uh, you know, that was, that might still exist. But we don't have it like last week. Last week was a one off. We've had one of those in 10 weeks. This week, we don't have a lot of real dirt, dirt cheap running backs. Even like Miles Gaskin is relatively expensive. Like it's going to be tough to build lineups around this chiefs uh, Cowboys game. I do not want to play miles Gaskin. Like I understand you're supposed to play running backs against the jets. And right. Like, I never do that. because yeah. look at just two weeks ago when they played the Texans, he had to suck out to get there. See anytime you start with the analysis of a team's opponent, before you even talk about the player, <laughs> it's always a big red flag for me. Like the dolphins haven't run the ball well on anybody all year. But we're excited because we always want to play running backs against the Jets. We did that, like I said, two weeks ago when they played the Texans and he got that touchdown. But, like, they were objectively terrible running the football in that game, too. Uh, A team that's right below the Houston Texans in EPA uh, per rush attempt allowed. So, like, it's – yeah, it's tough. 
but how are we going to fit in? How are we going to fit in Dak Prescott plus CD Lamb plus Travis Kelsey or Dak or Patrick Mahomes plus Tyree Kill plus Ezekiel Elliott? Like, it's 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 not. There's a salary cap this week, man. There's a salary cap. Yeah, it's so weird because you you speak of nature of the slate and like last week, running backs four, five, six, and seven as far as their options. Like any one of those would be like the well, is it the best option this week? Probably not because Eddie Dillon is like, but he's like you know priced up to some degree. Dylan's probably like the first piece you put in for cash mm-hmm. games this week. It's we'll talk about him soon enough, obviously, but yeah, uh, guys that were rejected with massive volume. You mentioned Ingram last week. Uh, even like Connor is now kind of priced up a little bit more to some degree. Uh, it's just not the same. It's a totally different build, but let's pretend like we do have some money, at least some money to spend, you know, some salary. Well, how about this, Rich? Just tell me what, why do we want to spend money uh, in theory? Why do we want these guys in our life <laughs> in theory? <laughs> well they're all they're all really good fantasy football players first most you, you should always want to just play the best plays if you can make it happen uh i mean this game too it's it's you know i, I don't want to just completely say like the, the chiefs are back and go on this thing like we're going to be like juggernauts the rest of the season but i mean they were close in a couple of these games like they've been calling games the way they should they've just left some plays on the on the on the field obviously everyone will and the, even the broadcast was doing it during the game on you know uh sunday night highlighting how much cover three the, the Raiders were running, but I mean, the chiefs are still, they've been a, a really good offense all year outside of like the subset of three games in an NFL season, which is inherently a small sample to begin with. And it's not like teams just started running, you know, two high safeties against them this season. We, it happened all last year too. They inherently just weren't making a lot of plays. The offensive line wasn't playing well. They were turning the ball over. Guess what happens when you, when you start to convert some of those plays or you catch some of those 50, 50 balls when Daryl Williams comes down with a jump ball. Uh, those are plays that they weren't making over that stretch. So when those plays start to get made, that's how you end up racking up, you know, 40 points uh, and having a season high game for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, this game is particularly interesting because the Cowboys, like they're not a team that really has the personnel to kind of really go too high and defend with their linebackers and safeties. They're none of those guys are good in coverage. Uh, so it's me to see seeing what they do. They play a lot of man coverage. You know, Dan Quinn's kind of adapted to what he's had to work with. Uh, so what do the, what do the Cowboys do? I mean, they're not going to line up and play man coverage. Like that's not going to happen either. So, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things we don't really know what they're going to kind of, you know, come out and do. And there's going to be plays we made. It's not like Dallas has been a defense that we've been scared of at any point this season. Uh, when they're turn when they have a high turnover variance, they look really good. And when they don't get turnovers, uh, they look really bad because they give up a ton of yards per play. And that leads to giving up a lot of points. Uh, you know, even with them like completely nuking Matt Ryan, they're still 22nd in yards allowed per pass attempt. They're still 26 in yards allowed per completion. Like they're going to give up chunk plays. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm not really scared about anything that like, Dallas can really kind of acquiesce and kind of alter their personnel do. So they want to do some of the things that have been good against the Chiefs. I don't really think that their players are that good enough to do it. They go jump in here. Well, for the Chiefs skill players, you know where to go because let's just go to ancillary options. Let's say you have the idea to stack the third receiver, but the issue is even the Chiefs don't know who their third receiver is. Uh, Byron Pringle was the latest victim to run the second most routes among their wide receivers, but Josh Gordon also got the start as Josh Gordon has for three games in a row now. The issue is it's Josh Gordon at this stage of his career, so he hasn't earned more than one target in any game. He just can't, and so really it leaves us with two options as it always does. It is Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Since the FBI was called in to investigate a murder in Nashville in week seven at Nissan Stadium, uh, Tyreek Hill has been peppered with 13 targets per game. 
pretty much just getting in the ball, whether it's from the slot or on the boundary, near the line of scrimmage, just everywhere. Also double-digit targets in six of his last seven games. Travis Kelsey, it's slightly being, not slightly, it is being overblown how he has fallen off a cliff. The margin in which he has outscored his position is significantly thinner. Like last year, three and a half points per game separated him from Darren Waller as the tight end one and tight end two. And that took Waller going on a Cooper Cup-like tear over the last month of the season to even cut it that close. Whereas three and a half points per game at tight end this year is a difference from Kelsey as number one and George Kittle as tight end five. Uh, on the season, though, Kelsey's floor is still being the best tight end in all of fantasy. 18 more targets than Darren Waller and 14 catches and 150 more receiving yards than Mark Andrews, who is currently the tight end, too. So overall, like Kelsey's still far and away the best option in his position. Um, I understand it's a it's a slate. It's a one-game slate. We are a one-week slate we're working with, so you can still like look to pay down, especially if you're struggling to fit one, and maybe you even – only have an opportunity to get one or the other if that's the case i still lean tyreek hill since his floor for all the reasons mentioned is significantly higher and although he's being peppered underneath and hasn't reached 100 yards and hasn't gotten that bonus in three consecutive games it's just the targets and the yak capabilities uh if they even try to match him on trevon Diggs, or if they don't it's still tyreek hill with double digit targets and so that's something that clearly i would be interested in yeah you're talking about a dude that can like score 40 like travis kelsey could be awesome at his price and, and, and completely wipe the tight end field away. But like, you're talking about a guy that can get you literally 40 to 50 points at, at his apex, you know, in Tyreek Hill. The best argument for Kelsey over Hill is the lineup construction that he knocks mm-hmm. out the tight end position. That's the best argument you can make straight mm-hmm. up. Like if, if, if positions didn't matter, you take Hill. Well, I just noticed Gordon played 43% of the snaps last week. And that, I mean, <laughs> I, I had no idea he was even on the field. Like that, that is the classic, uh, you, know, you can't get open on anybody. It's, it's, that uh, is the exercising, right? I suppose that's, that's your classic uh, hashtag exercising. What about the very much, He's very yeah. much Brian Edwards. Um, he looks awesome on, on the field because he's so much bigger than everyone else. And he would be full David Boston. <laughs> and then you watch him play football and you're like, oh no, this is not going well. We're dating ourselves when we got David Boston, but he was like, that dude was like, well, he got so big. He just couldn't move. Like, (laughs) yes, he looked like a guy that you did not want to mess with in the field. He looked awesome. He was like, he may have been the first receiver on the body issue of ESPN. Like I recall (laughs) him and jeans, like Favre Wranglers on the cover of ESPN. (laughs) And like, he looked like a lumberjack, but that dude was actually just a receiver for the Cardinals at one point. Yeah. Um, how they just did look? coke and worked out. Just got jacked. And mm-hmm. just <laughs> Is that down. what that was? That's the remedy? Um, <laughs> so, Rich, break down the receiving options for Dallas. As a general rule, I just kind of lean for Lamb over Cooper. Of course, you want to save some salary. You can go to Gallup. You can always throw Schultz in the conversation, too. But, like, as far as the way Kansas City defends, or I, I'm cheating air quotes with that, right? Uh, <laughs> is, uh, their defense, uh, who is the best option here? Lamb, Cooper, Gallup, or are we just throwing darts? I mean, they're another team that likes to blitz a lot too. So they're going to put, you know, you know, any type of these guys in man coverage. I mean, CeeDee Lamb has absolutely obliterated man coverage this entire season. Uh, you saw it last week, uh, you know, that's, you know, the, the Falcons are typically more of a cover two base team, but they, they tried to dial up some blitzes and uh, they, they got schooled. Uh, he now has all, all of his touchdowns are against man coverage, CeeDee Lamb uh, on the season. So if you're going to get, you know, one of these spags dialing up some heat, you know, that he's been kind of the foxhole blitz guy. Uh, you know, he did play a season of 42% of snaps. There was a blowout. He got nicked up in that game. Uh, but also, if you go back to, like, week one, two, like, you know, when Gallup has been active, those two guys have kind of shared some routes run. It obviously didn't hurt, you know, Lamb in the box score at all. 
but they didn't actually run nearly as much 11 personnel as all of us kind of thought that they would with Blake Jarwin out. They still ran a ton of 12 personnel, uh, even in the first half of that game. It wasn't like they ran it in the, in the blowout, too. Uh, they were still, you know, basically a 40% 12 personnel team in the first half of that Falcons game as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how the snaps kind of get divvied up and who gets out. You know, Amari Cooper was the guy that wasn't squeezed uh, in either of the weeks, week one or week two but he's also just been the most volatile guy. He's the hardest guy to kind of nail and like everyone keeps chasing him. Uh, but he's kind of just given us the, he's, he's like kind of Cowboys Tyler Lockett. Like he's going to get you like a couple games where he gets you like 35 and he's going to have like a five game stretch where he catches three passes. And you're like, what the hell? I'm going to get the flop lag on this and you keep chasing the flop lag on it. And it doesn't happen. And then you finally get off and he gets another 35 point game. Uh, it's very hard to diagnose when Amari Cooper is going to go off. There's like really no great signal uh, and the Chiefs are typically pretty decent against wide receivers because teams just hand the ball off against them. Uh, but yeah, if they're going to stay in a bunch of man coverage, I would lean towards Lamb too. But again, salary cap, who's the most expensive guy? CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Um, Gallup played 53% of the snaps, but like you said, uh, well, the fourth quarter, they were playing, uh, what, Malik Turner and Noah mm-hmm. Brown at the day, number 36, 30% snaps. Uh, Lamb only 42%, but like, yeah, like, what can you really take out of this outside of yeah, because there's only so much you can take away because the game was such a blowout. They walloped them. And, and, yeah. and not only that, but also just in being Gallup's first game up into reserve. Uh, last year, he only dipped below 80% snaps in two games all season. And so we expect his role to increase just in being healthier in his second game, especially if it stays competitive throughout. So there are just a lot of whack-a-mole options here if you want to get off one particular player in the Cowboys passing attack. Dago, what about Zeke? Like, why not just do that? Yeah, why not? Uh, I wish DK <laughs> I wish DK would have left him at 7K, of course. But nonetheless, we're seeing the touchdown regression happen from not getting there last year. And although we split carries, 50% of the backfield touches with Tony Pollard's, but touches 50% both ways in that blowout game, uh, it was still Zeke's backfield. We talked about this last week. Um, out of their buy, Zeke had handled at least 71% of their backfield touches in consecutive games before this one where they could just alleviate him, give him some rest, and let Pollard run in the fourth quarter. I imagine Zeke is a player that maybe not many will get on because the last three games, he has looked worse on film. Uh, we did this in week one against the Bucks as well, and he was fine af- afterwards. But I imagine like they are trying, everyone will try to get on, in particular, CeeDee Lamb first, and then Amari Cooper. Lamb in particular, since he did get stuck in the slot for a season high, 70% of his routes, and that's where he had two touchdowns and 40 yards from in that game. 8-5 for Zeke on Fandle, 7-7 seven, seven on DK. Uh, Rebar, you got anything as far as Zeke? Anything else you want to say as far as this game? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, like Zeke, so Zeke in general is why you would maybe lean toward just Mahomes side for, you know, ceiling because, you know, 80% of the Kansas City offensive touchdowns are passing and only 67% of the Cowboys are passing, right? Like that'd be your tiebreaker because Zeke Lillard exists, uh, you know, to run in some touchdowns. I mean, you know, obviously it's hard for Dak to get like the five passing touchdown games. Uh, He can get it. He's definitely capable of getting it. But, you know, Mahomes has way more you know, outs to get there because the Chiefs, you know, when they get inside the 10, they do a bunch of goofy stuff and don't really run traditional run plays. And we'll have to wait and see if, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be active in this game too because, you know, I imagine a lot of people want to chase Darrell Williams if it's just him. Uh, You know, obviously if Clyde Edwards-Alaire plays, it throws a little bit of a wrinkle in things. I I mean, we're in this weird area too, like where like people have like are starting to just like dunk on Clyde Edwards-Alaire like he's the worst player to ever play football because he was an overdrafted player and never really has lived up to the fantasy promise. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire is like 
three times as good as a runner as Darrell Williams has been. And like the proof is in like every single metric, like Darrell Williams has been really good in short yardage and, you know, catching the football, but in terms of actually running the football, Darrell Williams has actually been played a part in why they really weren't doing, um, you know, having as much offensive efficiency during this law than if they would have had a guy like Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Clyde Edwards, Alaire against light boxes is averaging over five yards per carry. Darrell Williams, 3.7 yards per carry. Darrell Williams has negative 73 rushing yards below expectation. Uh, he's a guy that's going to get what's blocked and maybe that, you know, Clyde Edwards, Alaire is definitely not, you know, Edger and James or throwback Jamal Charles, but like he's a baseline runner that is like, in, and it was playing adequately in that role. Um, but it's weird that he turned it. He's like, like the ire of like, everybody's like fantasy scoring for some reason. Like he's like the most popular guy to just like dunk on. Uh, I think when Clyde Rizler comes back and if he did come back in this game against the Cowboys defense, that is awful against the run. I think you would see them add a different dimension to this team. Now, does that make either of those running backs playable? No, but I think it would make the chiefs offense a lot better than people seem to think it won't be instead of just giving, you know, Darrell Williams, uh, 20 carries, you know, for three and a half yards carry. And, we have to see if it's Darrell Williams earning these targets or these concerted plays, but the Chiefs have thrown 24 running back targets in their last three games following that Titans blowout. I would think that is concerted approach to just find that third receiver and another option underneath since every team, again, they're the Kansas City two highs. Every team's just throwing safeties at the top and saying, we dare you to beat us underneath. And so, uh, yeah, of course, if CEH is out, Darrell Williams becomes, in my opinion, on DraftKings in particular, an awesome play. But even if CEH comes back, we then have to follow some news tea leaves here and see if he's going to be like used even like a 50% share or if we can still sneak on to Darrell Williams. Yeah, I was trying to see if we get a discount of some sort. Not so much. CEH 6-3 on Fandle, 5-2 on DK. And I just like the whole situation we mucked up. Like I I can't imagine rostering any of the running backs unless we hear like, you know, Somebody's going to be the clear, you know, bell cow or whatever. We're probably not going to hear that. I don't know. That's just sort of my Well, you just need them to be inactive. That's really it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, they're inactive. Then all of a sudden it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Because then we talk about cheap pieces. Like like I said, there's the the, the Kansas City wide receiver three, whoever you want to throw the dart at, and then Michael Gallup, and then maybe Darrell Williams if you can get it. But other than that, everyone's expensive. And if we get 75%, you know, snaps from Gallup, like that's hot. I don't even, I don't know what the production is, but that's still hot. And we still have Dalton Schultz out here, you know, getting cardio. Uh, you know, he was never going to hold that target share he had, like, early in the season. I remember I had Sam Hoppin on my podcast, and we were just both talking about, like, there's no way that he's going to continue to double CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper in targets just based on a talent perspective, right? Like, that's going to even out. And we've seen that, you know, basically, uh, you know, the past four weeks, he's only had a 12% target share. And we've seen the ball get to these playmakers that are just better playmakers. But he's still on the field a ton in an offense that we want attachment to. And uh, people probably want to stop chasing that. I mean, the Chiefs did, you know, limit Darren Waller in that game. I know he had a touchdown called back because they cheated. Uh, But they've still been (laughs) awful against tight ends. So, I mean, Dalton Schultz still is an interesting guy out there, at least to get unique and, and putting this game together. There are football, other football games being played this week. Uh, one of them is Cincinnati at Vegas. 49 and a half is the total. Vegas is getting one point. All right, Rich. Uh, well, yeah, I guess Derek Carr right now looks like a cash game potential quarterback on DK. And again, all this stuff shuffles up as the week progresses. But on a Wednesday night, to kind of make stuff work, we live in the world of a salary cap. We keep talking about that. Salary constraints. Uh, is Derek Carr... 7-2 on Fandle, and again, Fandle, you know, I kind of spend up on my quarterback, certainly my main lineup or my cash lineup, but um, on DK, to make stuff work, I think it's okay against Cincinnati. 
Yeah, this game is is particularly interesting, especially because you know it's a it's a pivot game. It's a four o'clock game that no one is really going to care about because it's just the cachet that the other game carries. Uh, Derek Carr keeps finding a way to get there. I mean, he keeps at what eighteen or more DraftKings points in six of nine games this season. Uh, the loss of Henry Ruggs has been felt in this offense. I mean, his Derek Carr's A dot has gone from nine point three yards, which was sixth in the league, to six point nine yards. Uh, the, without Henry Ruggs, which was 24th in the league. Uh, still relatively small sample, but they just don't have anyone else that can run downfield except for the seven snaps Deshaun Jackson's going to play, uh, you know, per game. Zay Jones doesn't get it done. Nobody's guarding Zay Jones. Nobody's respecting Zay Jones running any routes. Uh, but, you know, this also is the best defense objectively Derek Carr's faced all season on paper. Uh, so that's kind of interesting as well. Um, so without, you know, kind of that, that low a dot and then facing a team that is, you know, the Bengals are seventh in the league in passing points allowed per attempt. But the one thing that is just absolutely helping Derek Carr right now is the Raiders are just tremendously terrible at running the football. Like they are just awful. They're, they're actually 30th in the NFL and EPA rushing the football, even when they try to do it, they can't. And it's just led them to be forced to have to throw in these games and lean on Derek Carr. Uh, and, you know, so Derek Carr is getting just like a ridiculous amount of volume. He's dropping back 42 times per game. That's sixth in the league. So you're getting a lot of pass volume too. So if the Bengals are still going to be a good defense and limit things on a per attempt basis, if you throw 45 attempts, the counting stats on the beginning there and you get some value, like you said, as the cash game guy, uh, because he's still getting there. Like last week, he still got there uh, at the end of the day. So uh, yeah, I think he's particularly interesting. Uh, you know, Darren Waller looks pretty interesting as well. Um, I wish he was a little bit cheaper on FanDuel than what he is, um, especially for that site. Uh, but, you know, the Bengals are another one of these teams that, you know, the, they don't really have really good coverage linebackers, uh, you know, so there is opportunity here for, you know, some plays for Waller and kind of just to go sneakily. I don't know if he'll sneakily go on around because he'll probably be a guy that someone talks about all week anyways, but uh, I do like Waller as well. Six, seven on FanDuel. That's, that's okay. That's okay. But it's only six, it's only 600 lower than Kelsey. Yeah, well, that, that's the problem, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up, by the way, you talked about it as far as the slate and how it sets up. And just from a – we don't talk a ton of, like, you know, strategy and lineup construction and all that and kind of pivoting and all that, but the way the slate sets up, there are oh, three – late swap city. Yeah, like the, the key game, like the big game of everybody's – you know, it's Dallas, KC at 4 o'clock. Arizona-Seattle is at least interesting, and we'll, we'll see what happens with the Murray situation. Of course, if Murray plays, that becomes more interesting – that game becomes more, more interesting, and same deal with the – no, DeAndre Hopkins. And then there's the you know, Cincinnati and, and the Raiders. So yeah, just uh, delving into strategy. It, it should be an interesting week. Just like see how your guys are doing in the one o'clock games and if they're doing well, stick with the chalk. If they're not doing well, maybe get off it. And, you know, to hopefully some goofy things happen at four o'clock. Uh, what do you have for Dago as far as uh, Carr and the, his, uh, his options? So he's throwing the ball to. You mentioned cardio earlier and like Reeves hit on, that's absolutely Zay Jones, what has become uh, leading the team in routes run plays of Henry Ruggs the past two games, but also, you know, Deshaun Jackson showed up out of nowhere, ran just five routes also with a fumble, had one catch for 38 yards and those 38 yards were only four fewer than Zay Jones has recorded in place of Henry Ruggs the past two games. That's how bad he's been. I also expect, we should expect Deshaun Jackson's role to increase you know, every single passing week, maybe in place of Zay Jones, maybe in place of Brian Edwards, who knows, but I would still expect him to have a deeper role and in his snaps to grow and hopefully targets to grow in this game, because he's still a tremendous deep threat option. If they get him involved out there, that's practically it. Like Rich said, they can't run the ball and more so Kenyon Drake continues taking away touches now with 
since the bye, at least 31% of the team's backfield touches, at least six touches in back-to-back games, mixing in with Josh Jacobs, who uh, uh, Rich Passaccia is using more like an early down grinder, as he should, and getting Kenyon Drake sprinkling in on passing downs. That's where he's been more effective anyhow. And so, yeah, you pretty much know where to go. And Hunter Renfro has at least five catches in every game this year, and Darren Waller underneath. And then maybe for larger field tournaments, that's when you start asking yourself, okay, how much of a role will Deshaun Jackson play? And that's when I'll sprinkle him in as a deep threat in any Joe Burrow runbacks. Well, I pulled it up last week, and yeah, Zay Jones, 85% of the snaps, previously 96% of the snaps. Djax, just 17%. What memorable snap? You, you guys alluded to it. That fumble and whatever would happen before the fumble. That was a weird, fun play. I mean, it's it's the same thing he was doing at Buffalo. Like a undrafted free agent, Robert Foster, came in of nowhere and just usurped him because Zay Jones was just not getting it done on the outside. How about, uh, you also mentioned Renfro. Renfro is one of those like super safe kind of cash game plays. Like he's kind of just makes stuff work. And I, I don't want to put that tag on uh, on the other side as far as T Higgins. But like, if you look at his game log, I like, like just game log watching. But I mean, I'm sure you've noticed this as well too, Reeves. But uh, you know, every single week he's like, fine, he's good. Nothing, nothing incredible. Nothing that's blowing your lineup up. Uh, he's always really, really good on DK as far as the price, his fan prices, whatever. Mm-hmm. 6.5K, 5.4 on DK. Uh, talk about Cincinnati and DK. Yeah, like five. He's been cheap on DK all year. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week two, uh, but we know that he is a you know kind of the end zone archetype. So that's eventually gonna you know I think it's eventually gonna come around. He's another one of these guys that people are gonna keep chasing because all the peripherals are there. I mean, I think you'll see him highly owned uh, at the end of the week. Uh, extremely, he's one of those guys that makes these these lineups work right to get the, yeah. the pieces that we talked about. He'll be, I think, extremely popular on both sites. I think where he fits in in terms of salary on both sites. Uh, he also uh, leads the Bengals and targets catches in air yards against cover three. You know, everyone obviously wants to talk about the cover three and how much the Raiders ran. So if you're someone that likes that, you can put that, you know, feather in your cap uh, and kind of look at that. But uh, yeah, he's just a guy that just fits, uh, you know, but don't ignore Jamar Chase either, you know, just because he's brought, he finally just ran into some variants, right? Like he had run so pure the first, you know, seven games of his career that he was eventually going to, like hit at like at least the wall, especially as a wide receiver. But even though he had three for 32 and six for 49, I mean, look at his targets still in those games. Uh, you know, he has had 20% of the team targets in every game, but one now this season. And he's another one of those guys that like, we just talked about, like if he hits, he has the potential to hit for like 25 and 30, like, like a big time number. Um, so like, he's another guy too, you don't want to ignore. So like, th- obviously this game in general has a lot of upside to it and you can run a lot of stacks. Obviously, if your one o'clock guys don't hit and your little skinnies or your minis don't hit at one and you're sitting on Chiefs Cowboys like the rest of the field, you're going to have to pivot and load up on this game. And remember when Chase left us before the buy in that terrible Browns game, we don't want to rehash for PTSD reasons, but two drops, one that was an end zone target, he usually comes down with, also a fumble, even though he did have a season high 32.5% target share. So he still left on a bad but good note behind the scenes. And then we have a thought as far as Joe Mixon. Mm. Yeah, he's the tricky part uh, of this game, right? Because Joe Mixon's tricky in general because he's gotten catches in like three of the past four games, but his routes run for a drop back haven't moved at all. Just the targets have found him. So, it, but it feels like you're almost skating on, on thin ice with that, right? Like just the way the Bengals have operated, like he can have an easily just go and like have a zero target game with the way they've run their offense. Cause that's like the key, like the, that's what's gotten him there. Right. Like, you know, 
he, he had been scoring touchdowns already, but now that he started to tack on 40 and 50 receiving yards, he had over 40 receiving yards and, you know, three of his past four games. When you add that to his workload and touchdown ability, that's what turns him into the alpha back. We were all hoping we were inevitably going to see, but the routes run for a drop back are still very mediocre. Uh, the Raiders are bad against the run, uh, you know, 4.6 yards per carry to running backs. That's 24th in the league. 14.2 rushing points per game to backfields is 21st. They're also bad against running backs in the, in the, in the passing game. Uh, we saw Darrell Williams light them light them up on sun, on Sunday night. Uh, he definitely is way too cheap on FanDuel. Uh, what is he on DraftKings? He's way too cheap on FanDuel, Roger. All right, so Joe Mixon's price this week, he's 7-6 on FanDuel and 7-6 on DK. And as the general rule, if you're the same price or cheaper on FanDuel, you're at kind of a discount on FanDuel. So, right, yeah. he's way too cheap on and he's way And he's better for FanDuel. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. The the only concern, um, even though I do think he's a, a really good play, depending on how you want to play this game, they're all they're all great options, honestly. Uh, the only concern would be that between weeks three through seven, before he got injured, Chris Evans was out there for a route on 15 percent of Joe Burrow's dropbacks, mixing in behind Mixon and Smosh P Ryan. Fifteen percent doesn't seem like much, but he was still taking away routes from Joe Mixon. And now the past three games, he's basically been injured. He was hampered by that hamstring injury, was out in week eight, but did only ran three routes in week seven and nine before the bye. Now with the bye, 14 days rest, I expect him to be healthy. So I do just wonder if he's going to be bald enough to be annoying for Joe Mixon's passing game usage. Is Tyler Boyd still in the player pool for us? He is pretty cheap. Uh, hasn't been spectacular of late, obviously. Certainly falling behind the other two receivers on his team. 4-8 on DK, 5-6 on Fandle. He is the floor, 10 bucks on Yahoo. Uh, or is just, you know, Daigle, do we have any thoughts as far as Boyd? It's it's hard. You know, you know maybe get there for the floor, but you're basically just seeing him usurped by superior talent, whether it be 21-year-old Des Bryant and Jamar Chase or a downfield prospect and threat like T. Higgins. Uh, Boyd has averaged just a 14% target share behind Chase's 26% and T. Higgins 23% in the five games since Higgins initially returned from injury. And we can't get off Higgins, let alone trying to play Tyler Boyd. Um, Higgins, uh, Boyd in that span also has only had one top 42 finish in that five-game stretch. So really just not even getting there as a floor play, honestly, right now. Anything else this game, uh, Reeves? Or should I move on to the, our third game on the slate? Well, I mean, I'll say well, one thing to talk about this game on the Joe Burrow side is to, to keep in mind that Raiders don't blitz. And, you know, Burrow is one of these guys that's really funky splits against the blitz where he's absolutely just like destroyed teams. Uh, and, you know, we saw the Browns said, we're going to get home with four and just play coverage. And granted, there was plays left on the field in that game. But Joe Burrow splits against the blitz and non-blitz. If you're able to get home with four, I mean, it, they're they're pretty jarring. You know, he's thrown eight interceptions on against non-blitzes, you know, which is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions against the blitz. We talked about that a lot, 11 and a half yards per attempt. He eats, he eats it up when you come at him. Uh, and then 7.8 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions, uh, you know, when teams are dropping back in coverage. So one thing to keep in mind, because the Raiders are not going to blitz. Like they're going to rely on Max Crosby and Ngakwe to get there. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens, uh, you know, with Burrow. But I mean, that doesn't, it's not going to push me off of Burrow and stacks this game because I'm going to stack this game. But one thing just to, to kind of look at uh, in his just kind of weird splits this season. Burrow's um, 9.3 yards per attempt against cover three this year includes three drops as well. So his numbers actually should be significantly higher. I'm curious to see 
how and if he gets steamed by Sunday. I don't have a, I can't put my finger on it right now, but I'm curious to see if the field gets on him by Sunday. And I presume if you're playing Burrow, you, you most, you want, I mean, you want to get up there as far as chase, right? That's your favorite. And he's probably gonna be lower owned than Higgins just because of salary reasons. So mm-hmm. assuming salary is not an issue and all that kind of stuff, you, you prefer chase over Higgins. He's your favorite person to pair with Burrow. Is that a reasonable King, assumption? King chase. Yes, absolutely. 21 year old Des Bryant is high praise, man. It's pretty big. That's what he is. We're watching. Is that all he uses 21? He's only 21. He's very, very young. Yeah. He was a superstar at 20 at LSU. Third game on the slate, uh, the Packers at Minnesota. 49 is the total. Minnesota's getting two and a half points. That Packer offense, that just that Packers-Seattle game was such a massive disappointment last week. (laughs) I I guess we'll touch on Seattle a little bit later in the show. Uh, Green Bay did a little more than Seattle. Uh, They're in a dome this week at Minnesota. Got to love that this time of year. Uh, let's start with the Green Bay side. Well, I mean, Reeves, uh, Devontae Adams, we just kind of touched on it as far as mixing. Same price on DK as his on Fandle, both places, like it's going to be Chalk City, 8-4 on Fandle, 8-4 on DK. You know, like that's that's a really good play. And, of course, decision points in tournaments. I assume you're going to agree, like, yeah, play Devontae Adams in cash, if nothing else. I mean, the most telling stat of the 2021 season is that Hunter ran for us more touchdowns than Devontae Adams. <laughs> Uh, just twisting a knife into our hearts. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams just gets this, he's got this just elite target share and we can't get him in the box, you know, as much as we did last year. And that's just simple regression. Sometimes it, it pulls the wool over us uh, way more than it should be uh, in the NFL. I mean, Minnesota obviously has been beaten up by, you know, opposing lead wideouts. Uh, the thing about Minnesota is we talked about, you want to beat them downfield. And that's where Aaron Rodgers has been, that's where Aaron Rodgers has been really bad this season. Uh, just outright terrible. I mean, he's, he's 29th in the NFL in pa- points allowed per pa- uh, points per pass attempt on uh, throws 15 yards or further downfield, but he's second in the NFL on intermediate throws. He's just really struggled to connect on that deep ball, uh, you know, in, in these, in these downfield targets. Cause Devontae Adams has a lot of games where he's got a lot of catches, but not a lot of yards or a lot of high yards per target and a higher yards per catch. Cause they're just not connecting on those long balls. Uh, this would be a good spot to do it as long as the Packers don't go Joe Lombardi. Uh, but we'll see what happens here because, you know, there's Dave Bakhtiari still banged up. Minnesota's still getting home with four. They got home on four on Bur- uh, Herbert last week with just four. They're another team that's going to rely on that. Obviously, Mike Zimmer's no, these teams are no strangers to each other, too. And, you know, uh, you know, Rodgers has had, you know, kind of, you know, cattywampus production against, you know, the Zimmer defense. So uh, this is kind of a weird spot because this line is what? The, the over-under is 50. Mm-hmm. and yeah. Packers games are averaging 39.6 points per game combined. That's 31st in the NFL. Every Minnesota home game has gone under uh, this season. Uh, the Packers also are on this, like, super heater defensively where they've stopped, you know, Kyler, Mahomes, and then, you know, whatever you want to discount for R- Russell Wilson the last three weeks. Um, yeah, th- this is a weird one, man. This is a weird one because it, it, the total feels like it's a few points too high. I just Googled the word cattywampus. You just dropped cattywampus? What is that? What yeah, like, is like uneven, uh, like, uh, you know. I've never heard that before. That's my what grandma, threw me off. My grandma used to say that all the time. <laughs> Dangle, is it just me? Am I, you know, are you aware of cattywampus? Uh, I think I've overlapped with Rich enough in the years where I've heard it, but <laughs> only from him and Grandma Rebar. <laughs> that was not in my repertoire. It's not in my arsenal, but I want to borrow that. I, I stole the, the jogging thing from you. I want to steal that as well, too. Um, we kind of buried the lead as far as Dylan, like AJ Dylan, oh, yeah. uh, it, like he's like, he's the first guy you throw in your lineup this week with the absence of Aaron Jones. Um, yeah, the price is not high enough. And that's that 
Dale, feel free to give your thoughts as far as, you know, the, the Green Bay offense. And I assume you agree as far as uh, Dylan. And uh, despite, I mean, Cavs are no Cavs. He has those massive Cavs. Doesn't even need them. But that price and the uses that we're expecting. Yeah, I, I hate when situations are like this because it's just game theory, right? Like anything I say, you already know. He's an awesome play. What do you want me to tell you? And so really like the first thing I thought of was not even like if you play Dylan, it's can you get away in a game like we saw last week for the Packers games, it always comes down to you need efficiency because volume is just never going to be there for them or their opponents. That doesn't mean you can't play them. You can still get very efficient with Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy, with opponents when they're scoring on the Packers. You just need that. And so the first thing I asked myself was, can I play Adams and A.J. Dillon or a situation where I need to play one or the other? And is Adams a good pivot off of A.J. Dillon trying to get the touchdown equity? So that's where I'm at more on a Wednesday trying to figure out that situation because it doesn't really seem like an environment I want to play both when both are very good options. And so at A.J. Dillon's price, maybe I look elsewhere for another running back to pivot to. And hopping quickly to the Viking side of the ball, let's go here because, you know, we're asking, well, if you want to play both, you need some pushback. And for the Packers, they were able to shut down Russell Wilson for many reasons. One, that he just wasn't good. Like Pro Football Focus charted him with the third most inaccurate passes of week 10. He only averaged 5.3 yards per attempt and one pick from a clean pocket last week. But the Packers also played with a front six rather than a front seven. Like they kept six or fewer defenders in the box on 97% of their deepest on their, on their snaps. Um, They posted their deepest defender on average 16 yards off the line of scrimmage and basically told Pete Carroll and Russ, like you better dink and run because you ain't dunking at any point on us in this game. And so if they do that against the Vikings and keep this, you know, two eye safety more or less just like, attempting or threatening the Vikings you better throw underneath or run the ball that's what the Vikings will do and they will slow this game down and then it becomes a unlike last week even though we said like everyone was going to get on Dalvin Cook it was a good time to pivot to Kirk Cousins double stacks like this would be the week we want to be on Dalvin Cook because the matchup makes a lot of sense here for him hey that's you- Joe Barry man I mean where'd Joe Barry come from uh we've seen it you know Brandon Staley coached with Brandon Staley last year mm-hmm. that's what they want to do you mentioned slowing the game down uh, besides Chicago and Baltimore. That, that's projected to be the slowest game of the week or the least amount of plays. Uh, once again, 121.3, the Packers find themselves in a game that's going to be played pretty slowly. And that was an interesting thought you, you threw out there, Daigle, because like for sure, for sure, Dylan and Adams would be very, very popular paired on cash games. And mm-hmm. maybe the, their ceiling is hindered to some degree. And maybe it's an interesting thought to move off at least one of them, you know, just pick a side. Uh, that's, for that's where I'm at right now on a Wednesday. I, I think I want to play. God, this is my famous last words. I think I like Adams over Dylan, but again, that's going to probably ruin me. We'll see. See, I feel a lot better about not playing Dylan this week. If I had the collection of running backs we had last week, but the collection we have as of right now, this week, you know what I mean? The, the alternatives, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to fade the guy. What now you have a follow question for who? And like the list is not nearly as appealing as it was last week. doesn't mean he can't be beaten. Of course he can. It's football. Goofy things happen. A lot of variants, but uh, just a thought. And yeah, he's not uh, as cheap as both those guys either. Were or well, the three guys were once we got to Sunday. But you know, when you have Dearness Johnson at five eight and four seven, like there's absolutely no reason to fade that. You know, at that price, like because because if because if he scores a touchdown or he does like you're or even does does what he did, like you're dead. You're dead. You can't if you fade that. It, it but wasn't now that just seven K and he's, you know, the AJ Dillon's a little bit priced up a little bit compared to the yeah. other guys. 
And it wasn't just Dearness, like Ingram and Dearness were paired up in the tourney winners and like the $9 slant and the $200 like single entry double spy. Um, I don't know what the, the juke had at $1,500 entry, but like the chalk, those two running backs were the plays. And then everyone just mixed it up around them, whether it be Ramondre and Hunter Henry, like double stacks in that game at two to 4% rostered. Either way though, like, yeah, the chalk running backs, you had to have them in your lineup to win last week. Do we like Conklin as a potential uh, cheap tight end pivot here? I know he had a couple of touchdowns last week, not a ton of targets, but he's been pretty respectable of late. Uh, the price, I think I bumped up a little bit. 3-9 now on DK, 5-5 five, five on FanDuel, general rules on FanDuel. You probably can spend a little more on tight end. Of course, you don't have to. DK, you're generally spending down, but you know in tournaments, you can get different and spend up. Uh, Reeves, what do you have for, for me as far as uh, the man bun, uh, Tyler Conklin? Is he still rocking this, or is this just like, so from his picture months ago, it's, he's, I don't know if he's always wearing a helmet. So I don't know if I've seen him without his helmet on. Yeah. Tyler Conklin uh, ruining the day of all the Dalvin Cook should have been touchdowns uh, last week. I mean, the target share has just been uh, a little wampus for him as well. Uh, you know, he had the, the 21% and 25% the two weeks prior, 14% last week, but he gets there because he gets in the box twice. Uh, Packers, uh, another team, they've been beat up by tight ends because they play the same style of defense. There's a reason why the teams like the Packers and the Chargers and the Eagles are so bad against tight ends. It's, it's schematically, it's like, it's where passes get funneled to that defense. It's like when people used to always talk about how bad, like the Falcons, you know, defense was against running backs. And it's like, yeah, the whole defense is designed for you to throw underneath and let the linebackers come up and make plays. Uh, it's, it's the whole point of it. Uh, but so, yeah, it's, he's he's gonna get he's in another just cherry he's had just a run of cherry matchups for teams that are just bad like this right like there you can you can pepper the middle of the field but uh he's also one of those guys that like is a touchdown or bust guy at least on FanDuel he's fine on DraftKings because it's a totally different situation and game over there like like Dan Arnold has been an absolute like stone nut play on DraftKings for like three <laughs> weeks but he's not he's you know on FanDuel like that he's not doing anything to like move move the needle over there uh, but it's like, damn, are they going to price Dan Arnold yet up over on DraftKings? Like, like this dude's getting eight targets a game. Dan Arnold is, uh, <laughs> I think he's been priced up a little bit. Yeah, he's now 4-1 on DK. So he's crept into the fours. Still 5-4. It's also, it's also the, the situation we always talk about whenever we bring up the Vikings in that Jefferson has been targeted on 52% of his offensive snaps against uh, – I'm sorry, Thielen has been targeted on 52% of his offensive snaps against zone coverage – uh, more, albeit just slightly, than Justin Jefferson. And Thielen has only been targeting on 31% of snaps against man coverage. And the Packers run more zone comp set. So it is one of those where Sneelin, uh, Thielen could still sneak in here if you're looking for another player or just like a receiver from this game. Like people generally just like playing Jefferson over Thielen, right? He's like the sexier play, is he not? And also, yeah, because he's, he's just higher upside. He's also he's better. Cooler. He's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is this the week MBS catches that long one? Is that going to happen? I don't know how to predict that. Can that happen this week? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, who's he's, chasing that? Like, how are, what's the objective sell? I mean, there's obviously he's three, the seven. The Vikings are, the, I mean, if it's a vulnerability for the Vikings, like I said, Aaron Rodgers has been bad throwing the ball downfield. And maybe that just regresses. Obviously we have a pretty large sample of Aaron Rodgers being good in his career and throws, you know, further than 15 yards downfield. Uh, but yeah, the MVS game is, is there's a lot of magic men have tried to chase that one. <laughs> and I mean, he had one last week, like he, he was due and he got one last week. It didn't end up with a touchdown, but he had a long one. That's pretty much all Rogers completed throughout the game. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I played him because he was so cheap and kind of made so well, whatever. No cares about last week. Maybe it was two weeks ago. I don't recall when I played him. Eh, last it week, all runs together. Yeah, salary wasn't really an issue last week, so it probably wasn't last week. Doesn't matter. Let's it, maybe that's back. why it feels so different this week. We have to. We all want to. We want to play all the expensive guys now. We need. Yeah. We need Mark Ingram and Dearness Johnson back. Oh boy. Yeah, well, we don't. It'll make it. It'll make it more fun this week. Well, I mean, like, and then talk about too, like. How many people are just going to ignore playing the Bills against the Colts? Like, like a complete pass funnel defense. Uh, you know, a team that's been awful against the pass has like supreme splits, and they play at one. Uh, people aren't going to want to tie up those spots, and like they're in a, like a, a destruction spot as well. Well, that is a good segue to our position by position uh, conversation. We'll talk about that in just a second. Before we do that, we do want to talk about give some love to the sponsor, Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where Daily Fantasy becomes a stock exchange. You buy and sell shares of player, players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50. Use the promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Now get this. If you do not turn a profit this week, Jock Market will cover your losses in your very first event. Download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com. Again, use the promo code GRINDERS, 100% deposit match, up to $50 on your first deposit. And is that where you want to start, Reeves? You know, Josh Allen versus uh, the Colts. He can get there with the arms. Yeah, get, well, arms singular, I suppose, uh, with his arm uh, and the legs as well. We have Cam Newton. We kind of threw out there. He's fine. That, that's not a FanDuel play by any means. A 5-1 on DK. Man, Cam Newton. Oh, boy. Lamar Jackson, he's sick right now, but I assume under the assumption he's going to be fine. Feels like he's been sick like multiple times this season, but Wednesday night his we're career. gonna assume he's not just this year. His career is he just yeah, always like sick? He, does he just like hang out at like preschools and stuff? Like where just like <laughs> germs are being passed around. Like they talked about during the game on Thursday. Like all he does is hang out and sleep. Like how's he getting sick so much? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, he does sleep a lot. I don't know what I, I wouldn't think that would be a cause of it, but again, hopefully he's fine. Hopefully he's just being overly cautious there. Uh, but Reeves, yeah, you mentioned Allen. Uh, I want to have, I want to at least talk about Cam Newton. We're assuming he's going to take over be the lead guy there in Carolina uh, versus Washington. That's a perfectly fine matchup. They lost their defensive leader and young as well. Um, yeah. I don't want to play Cam Newton, but maybe, I don't know. Talk about some quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I'm just curious to see like when we get to the end of the week, because I don't think Josh Allen, like he's just too good to like ever like come in probably like under owned. But like maybe if teams are just like people are just waiting to kind of stack that that game or have a pivot to go to Burrow or Carr, uh, that maybe he just comes up maybe on more under owned than he should be owned in this matchup because I mean the Colts are number two in EPA against the run. They've been really great against the run. We know the Bills can't run. Uh, they did run better last week, obviously against the Jets, and they mixed in a lot of play action last week off of that, which really helped Josh Allen. But again, it's the Jets. But uh, the Colts, you know, have been a pass defense. We've literally targeted the entire season. Like Josh Johnson had a top five scoring week against them and <laughs> didn't even start the game. Uh, you know, um, their 22nd completion rate, 23rd in yards allowed for pass attempt. Uh, they've allowed a league high touchdown rate to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, so they're 31st in passing points per game. Like seems like an ideal spot for Josh Allen to be really good, good in. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for him. Uh, you know, obviously all the pass catchers, he's one, one of the cheapies in that game is, you know, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he's one of the guys you can kind of get like some salary alleviation with, uh, and you can run doubles with him as well, which is all, that's all, that's the fun thing about Josh Allen is you can always run doubles with him. 
Um, it didn't get there last week. It was just all digs, but digs had his highest target share of the entire season. He almost had 50% of targets. That's not something that will really hold uh, a lot of water week to week. We'll see these guys like Sanders and Beasley get targets. Um, other than that, I mean, we kind of talked about all the quarterbacks, like I'm really honing in on, I think cam, I don't really play on DraftKings, So like, I'm not going to gravitate towards cam. Um, but five, one, I think it's fine for him against Washington. It'll be, see, they, they did play better last week defensively. Um, they kind of have the personnel to kind of match up with Carolina, but, uh, yeah, like you said, no Montez sweat, no chase young. It's, I mean, it doesn't get any better if it's for cam Newton, if he's going to make his first start. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it's, it's important. It's important to note, like it's not a Fanduel play. I don't think it's in any way a Fanduel play, but for DK, it's kind of sort of somewhat interesting. You can't really pay down a, on quarterback on Fanduel. It's tough. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to make work for sure. He's uh, a he's, he's going to average a touchdown every four and a half snaps. Easy <laughs> that's sustainable, you think? <laughs> now, uh, like Rich said, um, it's a Caddy Wampus stat, I believe. Washington's front, Washington's front seven really didn't do anything like different. Um, we've just seen back-to-back poor games from Brady and the Bucks offense, but overall missing those two impactful players and sweat and young changes the game entirely. And more importantly, you could play Newton naked. Like remember 50% of his fantasy points literally came on the ground with his legs last year. And so you don't even need to find a stacking partner if you want to play him cheap and then build like around the chiefs Cowboys games. Cause that's, that's at least a starting unique way to get exposure towards chiefs Cowboys. What happened to uh, Mr. Unlimited Russ Wilson? Uh, like, did he come back too soon? Like, and you know, I don't know. Uh, we don't know how he's feeling. We're not privy to the medicals, but Daigle, he looked rough last week. I think it was the first time in his career Seattle's been shut out when he was under center, at least to start the game. I mentioned what the Packers did defensively, but then also Russ like didn't complete a single pass, seven of them, 15 plus yards downfield. Uh, now, was that inaccuracy issue due to his finger or was it due to the defensive game plan by Joe Barry? I, I really don't know, but that's sort of the question we're asking if you're trying to to jam in Russ. I do like Lockett in this game. We'll get to that when we get to receivers, but Russ, I, I genuinely don't have an opinion. Rich, do you have a thought on that? No, I mean, it's probably just a combination of all the things everyone has talked about. You know, this was rusty came in. I mean, one thing that I've always been on, you know, over the years is these guys that miss multiple weeks, you know, they, they don't typically perform to their ceiling, you know, when they come back to the lineup, uh, you know, so like one thing to always remember when these guys do miss time is that you're probably not going to get a ceiling performance and it, it, it takes a while to get acclimated. Um, well, I'm curious too, if anyone's like pulled the data on the COVID guys too, for Rogers too, like the guys that have had COVID, uh, how they've responded, you know, cause obviously COVID impact has impacted everyone differently. Some people have had it and, you know, been fine. Some people have been really sick, you know, obviously, you know, we do talk about Miles Garrett when he had it last year said it impacted the whole rest of the season. You know, these are still professional athletes. Like, so like a guy like Nick Chubb, who had COVID, like it's got a great matchup versus the Lions, right? But like, what if he's not like fully winded? Like we, we don't, those are things we don't know. Uh, and, you know, because Rodgers didn't play good last week either. And you, know, you didn't practice and is coming off of the illness. So uh, one thing to always just keep in mind that I always do question though, is like these guys that miss multiple weeks always come in with trepidation instead of, you know, optimism. Tyreek Hills, 80 yards and two touchdowns spoiled us forever for players bouncing back from injury. We just got, we got spoiled <laughs> up that one game. I, I mean, a, it's one of those things like there always is going to be stuff that happens where people are like, oh no. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's always situationally like you have a guy like Tyreek Hill, like you're never going to bench him. Like quarterback's a little different because you might be able to stream, but also if you, it's a guy, it just it's just more of an expectation thing. Uh, maybe just like, hey, yeah, like playing football and practicing football is actually important to the game. So I saw this name in chat. I took a peek over at chat, and this is DK specific again. 
so I see you, Daigle. Both sides of this game, I suppose. You're getting two at five five, and like, good lord, Joe Flacco is starting at four point six k. I don't. Why is it he's four six? Um, you know, and it's in theory a, a good matchup, I suppose. Well, I don't know. You 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 tell me, Daigle. Uh, do we care to scrape the barrel on this? And it probably has to do with like what develops throughout the week. But nobody wants to play Joe Flacco, but he's there at four six, and two is five five, and just he looked bad. Like he looked like he was like his aim was just you know a small sample. If you watch that game on Thursday. Um, yeah, well, but that's, that's my general, like guy on the couch takeaway. They, they are running the jets, a different scheme, uh, a quicker hitting scheme under Michael LaFleur. So it's not exactly Adam Gase's 11 personnel, but Flacco was in this situation last year against Miami's blitz heavy scheme. They are running the same defensive scheme as last year. And Flacco had 148 yards and a pick against the blitz. So not really a, a great situation for Flacco, but then again, what is a great situation for Flacco? So if you want to play chalk miles Gaskin, if you want to get there like that, this would be a more logical scenario than the last one you played, not you Dean, but universal you played yeah. in as a chalk situation and he luck box into a touchdown. This would be the one because not only can he get there via targets, like also if we expect Joe Flacco to just get run over, like Gaskin will be involved heavily. We've seen without Malcolm Brown, who is now out this game as well. Uh, Gaskin has handled 76, 76% of Miami's backfield touches and 12 of 17 RB targets in that span. Now he's only had 8.5, 15.8, that touchdown game, and five and a half fantasy points in those three games because he's been bad, because he is bad. But if he's going to get every single touch in this one against Joe Flacco, it is a favorable situation. And he's getting the goal, goal line work. Like, it's not fair bringing Ahmed in inside the five. Like, we haven't seen that. You know, it's been him, uh, which helps him out a lot. I wish he was he was a little cheaper on both sides because, like I said, Miami's just been genuinely bad running the football against everybody. So it's one of those things that it, it is tricky in that regard. I wish he was more expensive, so I wasn't tempted to play him. <laughs> I mean, I like Tua. Some of, some, of the, some of the early builds I've built, like uh, – with Tua have been like some of the teams I objectively like more just because it opens up a lot more. Whereas, you know, when I'm trying to put build, you know, Cowboys and Chiefs teams, I'm getting like a piece that I don't feel great about in the, in the lineup. Uh, but yeah, Tua is one of these guys that does, I think kind of lock it because he's been pretty reliable in these spots. Like when we've needed to stream him in these uh, matchups, he's been good. You know, he got 20 points in the Jaguars. He had 27 points against the Falcons. The Jets are 32nd in passing EPA uh it'd be one of these things that uh you know you just worry about the game script like if the dolphins can but like the dolphins almost have to throw the short passing game because it's their running game like it's kind of the only thing they do uh so i mean i I imagine he will still have a lot of dropbacks even if they do win kind of handedly just because that's how they move the football it's really the only thing they can do let's move on knock out some running backs uh cmc uh, we saw he he had a jump as far as snaps last week looked really really good and Truly, like, he could have been a lot better. Like, his fantasy score could have been a lot better if a couple things cracked his way. The mm-hmm. DK price is still really appealing at 8.9K. Fandle jacked him up a 10K, which is a little bit tougher to get to, obviously. But And, you know, he's probably better played on DK just the way he, you know, catches, catches his 7, 8, 9, 10 balls. You get the full PPR there as well. Uh, Reeves, we have um, Swift versus Cleveland. Montgomery's got a reasonable price this week. Uh, James Conner, still a pretty solid price, 7-2 on Fandle, 6-1 on DK. Who are your favorite running backs on a Wednesday night? Yeah, we, t- we talked about, you know, Zeke. Uh, you kind of hit on a couple of those guys. I mean, I do kind of like Conner 
Um, and I even like, you know, um, Alex Collins and like in deeper large field stuff too, because he's so cheap and he's still getting so much of the work. We saw Rashad Penny not even get uh, a touch last week. So it's basically just Collins and Homer. And if like Murray doesn't play, like this is a complete like flop lag spot for Seattle too. Like we talked about Ross, like them to just go face like Colt McCoy or Chris Trevler at home uh, after getting shut out and like come back and like have like a decent performance uh, could totally be, uh, you know, in, in the books. You know, if Murray plays, obviously we'd like Connor a little bit more because it just saves you from the offense flatlining a little bit. You know, we did get excited two weeks ago when they had all those points and Connor had all those points. Then you forget like, yeah, it's still Colt McCoy. Like this, this could really kind of just like the offense could just be completely stagnant and kind of, you know, cripple everybody. And then Connor still got there with a touchdown because Hunter Henry and James Connor are allowed to score touchdowns every week. Uh, so, I mean, he, get, he still found the box, but uh, yeah, I do kind of like Connor a little bit in tournaments. And then I do, like I said, like Ox Collins a little bit in that same game, if the game strip goes the other way, because he's one of those other like real cheap guys. And we know if they get inside the five and do hand it off, it will be Ox Collins. It won't be Travis Homer. Dagle. Yeah, James Conner was on my list as well. Um, and I don't even disagree with Rich, but James Conner, Alex Conn, skinny stacks are the true 2021 football <laughs> season. That's that's what summarizes this year. If we get Alvin Kamara back when he was last healthy, we did see Mark Ingram squeeze him for a season low in backfield touches or yeah, backfield touch rate. But even so, Kamara against this vanilla cover one shell defense it's just a great situation the eagles have allowed five passers this year to complete 80 percent of their passes and most recently justin herbert completed a career high 84 percent of his passes because all defense all offenses do is just dump off against them so it's a good situation for kamara i can't imagine anyone would play him in his game back if we get elijah mitchell even off of anger even off of injury it's just a finger i would still expect him to lead and touches over Jeff Wilson. Like Jeff Wilson was just an early down guy. Mitchell even got the carry inside the 10 yard line and 27 carries. Like you're not worried about someone else stealing from that workload. And then you said DeAndre Swift. I'm going to say Nick Chubb if we get him back this week. Uh, remember the last time we saw Nick Chubb? It was that blowout against the Bengals and Dearness Johnson got eight carries, but seven of those eight carries came when the Bengals were, when the Browns were up 30 points in the fourth quarter. Like Dearness Johnson, that was Chubb's second game back from injured reserve and Johnson wasn't involved at all. It was literally all Chubb. And so uh, I do wonder if he just comes back as a bell cow in a sneaky spot. The one thing that could happen to this slate and it's Wednesday is if Elijah Mitchell doesn't play, everyone's going to play Jeff Wilson to get to all those, all those other guys that we talked about. That's that, that will be like, what will happen? Would you feel good about that? Like good about I mean, Wilson? No, like but that's what, that will, what would happen though. I'm just yeah. saying that's exactly what's going to happen. Look at his price on both sides. They played on Monday night. So obviously he's grandfather. I mean, I would, if, if Mitchell is ruled out and yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess I lean still Mitchell's going to play, but if he's rolled out, like, of course, like I'm eating that. Chalk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's going to be, I think he's clearly, it's an obvious situation. Yeah. I mean, he's going to, he, he'll basically just be the, he'll be in Mitchell's role. Yeah, because Mitchell doesn't catch passes. Mitchell hasn't even been targeted in three of his past four games. And with Hasty out, they just use Uzcheck as the the guy again in like those situations. Uh, so, or I mean, Debo yeah. Samuel. Yeah, and then Debo. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uzcheck has been like the third down back whenever Hasty's been out, and they didn't use Jeff. Like people thought like Jeff Wilson was going to come and like potentially get like that role, and we already saw like that they're not going to give him that role. Uh, but if Mitchell doesn't play, he'll be the guy that like he'll be. Because he's so cheap everywhere. And 5K and Vandal, 5-1 on DK, 14 oh, on Yahoo. Go ahead. Sexy. And um, we know like Trey Sermon's just a Dairy Queen or whatever he does during games. He's not there. 
So I took a peek at chat and multiple people. Uh, what somebody says, Dante Foreman, chalk week incoming. Somebody else, I love Foreman this week. What am I missing about Foreman? I understand they're they're facing the Texans. Uh, is Foreman like a clear chalk play? Uh, am I missing? It's four nine on DK, uh, six two on six Fandle? two on Fanduel, which is tough. I can't talk to that, can I? That's a tough price on Fanduel. Uh, because at six two, like you need him to be to ha- have the backfield, right? Like you need him to have the backfield, and he still. I mean, he twenty one snaps. Adrian Peterson twenty snaps. McNichols sixteen snaps last week. Uh, they've all got to carry inside the five since Derrick Henry's been out. Um, it's very tricky. Obviously, the, the Texans are bad against the run. Foreman's looked the best, but remember last week too, he was awful like running the ball. All his yards came on that reception. Um, it's tough. It's tough. Six two, six two is a tough price to pay for Deontay Foreman. Also, like the fact Foreman will be chalky. That's that's the easiest. I'm just not gonna play that chalk. I'm just gonna play Arthur Juan in that game. Yeah. Uh, and just do that. That's what I'm gonna do in that game. Play Brandon Cooks and Arthur Juan minis. It's just a premise, by the way. I'm not saying that Foreman's gonna yeah. be chalk. This is according to the chat, and it's a Wednesday. No, night. but that's not the chat. Who I love, by the way, love you all. Um, that's, <laughs> that's not the first time I've heard Foreman brought up this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's infatuated with like the revenge game with Deontay Foreman in particular. Adrian yeah. Peterson and Foreman have the exact same yards after contact right now. Like Foreman's made a couple of bigger plays, but Peterson like is just fine. He's like whatever. Um, and also like if Foreman gets you there, what's stopping them from plugging in Peterson on the goal line? Like for as much of a revenge game, which is not actually at all that everyone wants to talk about performing like adrian peterson is from the woodlands he's from the area is this a revenge game for him because he was born there i don't know someone explained to me uh, no, it's a homecoming game. game there's a two different kind of narratives is yeah yeah you gotta separate that if you're playing rock paper scissors i don't it's know whatever which, you want to be which is which up. which is well, does rock i'm beat, on the i'm on homecoming the I'm on the AJ Brown uh, is not playing against Marshawn Lattimore narrative train. So. Like Foreman should be, I mean, I guess they DK four nine whatever. It's still, but like six two. Like how did we get to Deontay Foreman six two? I, I mean, like, I'm not enthused about that. I understand how we can get there. I get because like that. Gaskin is six two, and he's a guy that actually touches the football. Like at least there's like a reason to say like, all right, this is why he's priced there. Like, I mean, like Zach Moss is five eight. Like, shouldn't he be priced around that? Like the Bills guys or like Deontay, Devontae Freeman? Like, shouldn't he be in that price range? Yeah. Uh, and there's McNichols there too. I don't know if we mentioned him. There's like three guys lurking. So, you know, it's a three-headed backfield that not none of the heads are terribly appealing as far as I can tell. But I, I do think they're probably talking DK where it's 4-9 as opposed to Fandle where it's 6-2. But and, still. And clearly everyone's high on him right now on a Wednesday because McNichols is in concussion protocol uh, but could still clear it by Saturday. There you go. Uh, anything else as far as running backs, or uh, shall we move on to talk about some receivers? Well, all right, Reeves, you want to talk about uh, the Tennessee receivers, at least one specifically? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in on Arthur Juan uh, this week. I mean, uh, you know, a little blip last week, you know, he just caught the one of four targets. He actually wasn't even shattered in the game. It was just a weird game plan. And uh, we've seen the Titans in the two games that they've now played without Derrick Henry Ryan Tannehill has an average depth of target of just 4.9 yards. Uh, only P.J. Walker lower in that span. You know, prior was 8.3 yards. I think that that probably has a little bit to do with some of the defenses that they and some of the game script they've been in. Um, I think we'll see some of that bounce back because you can't live that way. No offense can live that way. Uh, you know, that's Jared Goff life. Um, 
And then, but we also uh, seen, you know, before last week, I mean, Arthur Juan was just ripping targets. Like he had 35% of the team targets over the previous four games. Like that's where I think we'll see him live largely in that 25 to 30% team target share weekly, obviously gets a great matchup against the Texans. And you can just run it back with Brandon Cooks. I mean, last time we saw Brandon Cooks, he had another 13 targets. Uh, you know, he, he has 30% of team targets on the year. He's really the only guy they throw to. Uh, with Ty, Tyrod Taylor's thrown to him a team high 25 times. And even last week, we saw with the Saints guys, like receivers are going to get there against the Titans. Like they're just going to continue to get there. So I do like that uh, skinny as well. John? I already mentioned Tyler Lockett, second most air yards last week, only behind Stephon Diggs with a 20% target share. Match DK Metcalf, but still we want the downfield option in a bounce back spot. Just flop lag like Rich mentioned earlier with the Seahawks offense. So in on him, um, no, I mean, I don't know where everyone's going to come in on the Ravens offense, but, you know, Marquise Brown still dominating targets. And I do expect Sammy Watkins' role to increase out of the bye as he's healthier, but Marquise Brown just to leave us with a, a 30% target share, uh, still pretty enticing since Watkins and Bateman were both active for that game prior. So Marquise Brown's really interesting. I can't imagine anyone will play him unless they get on Lamar Jackson. And then, if you want some large field stuff, uh, I mentioned Kez Watkins last week as well, but if Goddard's out, we saw the Eagles go to strictly 11 personnel and Tyree Jackson and Jack Stoll are not Dallas Goddard. Uh, and the Eagles can only support two receivers. And although Devonta Smith's getting the usage, he will be up against Marshawn Lattimore most likely. And so it will likely be Kez Watkins at least filling in for those targets that Goddard leaves behind if you're playing Kamara or trying to skinny stack the Saints at all. And yeah, that's about it for me. I love Hollywood Brown, man, because you're talking about a dude that gets that many targets with the types of targets he gets. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like an insane cocktail, right? Like no player with a higher a dot than Marquise Brown has more targets than him. Like, in it's just, it's just a cocktail to have crooked games. And uh, you know, it, it would help if we get a little pushback, but either way, um, you know, we're in the same spot. Reeves, you mentioned with, Justin Fields against the Bucks that one instance where it's like everyone's going to play him because it's a bad defense. But then also you look up and he's poor against the Blitz. And now here we are with Wink Martindale blitzing at the fourth highest rate. And so even if we don't get pushed back, maybe it's just a game the Ravens roll the Bears over. Brown was like yeah, 30, 30% percent Oh, go ahead. Now to say this is a big Fields game. Like if he can hit in this spot, like against the defense, it's going to just blitz his face off. Then uh, I think that he 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 had turned the corner and he's going to kind of be usable the rest of the year. The the Padawan, yes, he's growing. Young Skywalker <laughs> is learning. It's good. I mean, that fourth quarter against the Steelers was hot, man. I know we're two weeks removed. Uh, it was hot. It was kind of one of those happy learns how putt moments. Do you think Fields is interesting for tournaments? I don't, but no, I could see him get there. Uh, like it said, this is the moment. I mean, because he's going to get his face. They're going to blitz every play. Man. They're going to blitz half the snaps. Uh, Brownwell, I was going to say, uh, DK a couple weeks ago, whenever he's in the main slate, he was like much cheaper, like 6K or so. It was like 30% owned in the Millie Maker. And yeah. Well, remember like, any week that the quarterback is chalky, like Lamar was that week, like the receipt, the top like receiver is going to go along with that. Yeah. Uh, people at this point are kind of sort of trained where you have to pair your running back with your, your quarterback with like the key receiver. Uh, let's move on. Lock out some tight ends before we step aside and get out of here. Uh, we got George Kittle versus Jacksonville. Mike Gusecki, everyone's faker. Uh, the first time ever George Kittle has scored a touchdown in back-to-back games. Really? <laughs> first time yeah. ever. I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> I figured he would, okay. 
Uh, now he's got Jacksonville this week. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, who was uh, a disaster last week, right? I don't know what he had, like one catch or one target or something like that in, in five quarters. Uh, he's got the Cleveland this week, Mark Andrews, and they're pairing for Lamar, Lamar Jackson. And there's old reliable Dan Arnold. He's still kind of lurking, still kind of there, more of a DK play than a Fandle play. What do you have for me, Reeves, as far as some of your favorite tight ends? Yeah, we talked about, you know, Kittle, uh, like Andrews, if you're going to, you know, play with Lamar. Um, we talked about Kelsey. Uh, listen, man, your boy Gusecki still had seven targets. None of them <laughs> didn't catch any of them. But, I mean, he's still – he's just getting too much volume, though, to, like, completely, like, outright when these spots were, like, you like Tua, right? Like, we like Tua. We inherently have to like the only two guys that can catch the football on the team, uh, Mike Gusecki and, you know, uh, Jalen Waddle. So, like, he kind of go they, they get targets, that, you know, so to speak. He's got 20% of the team targets with De- Devontae Parker out. So, like, he's another guy uh, that's not in play. Um, we didn't talk about Uzoma in the game. Like, he's another dude you could probably even throw a dart at in that stacking game, uh, in that game as well. And then, I don't know. We got anything else? I'm, I'm out of options here. We got too many guys hurt. Goddard's out. <laughs> um, all the Washington guys are hurt. Dagle? The 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 one if you want a cheapie as well. Uh, Adam Troutman has seen at least six targets in every game that Trevor Simeon has played the last three weeks. He's at least getting the targets. He's, it's not turning into production, but he's getting the targets. I was checking out the Washington situation as far as their tight ends. We may get Thomas back this week. I want to see how his price. He's three nine on DK. Um, and who knows, Ricky Seals Jones at this point. Are we sure if he's going to play or not? Who knows? But is that interesting and to any degree if Thomas is 3-9 and potentially Seals Jones being out? If that scenario plays out, Daigle? I don't know because Thomas has been like fairly banged up at practices as well. I'm not sure he's a player. Like we already talked about playing guys off injuries. Um, yeah. And it, it's a different scenario because it is a onesie spot with a cheap tight end we're trying to fill. I think I'd just rather pivot off elsewhere though. Yeah, I, I guess you don't want to play John Bates. <laughs> I'm not interested. I, I don't know who that is. Is he on Washington? I never heard. Hey, of are you Boise State's finest, John Bates? <laughs> He's there. It's uh John Bates and what Sammy Rays? I think it is. Listen, man, uh, Jonathan Bates, uh, the tight end. His dude was a a three time uh, All State qualifier at Oregon State for track championships as a tight end. Uh, he's six five, two hundred sixty pounds. He's like a super athlete. Uh, and, like those dudes are the siren call for like every fantasy gamer in all dynasty. We've all got a Jonathan Bates on our roster somewhere, whether it's uh, Tyree Jackson or, you know, Doran Dickerson or like all those guys, Rob Hausler, uh, the list goes on through the course of time, but John Bates, a, uh, a super athlete uh, from Boise state. It seems like this is always the time of the year, the winter Thanksgiving holidays, like the John Bates, the Jesper Horsteads always just like pop up out of nowhere. And we end up playing them for like 2,500. <laughs> Did he win the mother F and Mackey? That, that that's all that's all Silva cares about. Probably not. I guess not. You oh, hell no. But Boise, no one at Boise State's winning any awards. <laughs> we got anything else as far as the slate? Or are we getting out of here? That's about it for a Wednesday. I think we know where ownership, at least on a Wednesday, is going to be concentrated to. It's a matter of getting creative around AJ Dillon, Cowboys, and Chiefs, figuring out from there. But for the most part, I think we covered the slate. Yeah, we set the table about as well as well as you can set it on a Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, Rick's, and, t- I Rick's mean, telling it, people, oh, go ahead. And, and I mean, listen, the way it's gone this season, like Friday is just a whirlwind of news anyways. Yeah. <laughs> like every single Friday has been just an absolute nightmare. I can't remember another season where just like you, I've had to reshuffle 
rankings and projections on a Friday, just looking for all the official practice reports and the so, actual official injury news. Silva will walk downstairs. He'll just like see the notifications on his phone and Twitter going off and then just walk back upstairs and go back to sleep. He's like, nope, not today. <laughs> He's like, I'll figure it out later. So if you're listening to this podcast on a Friday, you, you've wasted your time, apparently. <laughs> because everything we just said was completely worthless. Our, our, goal, our goal is to wet your chops, to parse your lips, to get you started with your thoughts, get it working, yeah. get some bench reps in. And then like, you got to fill in the rest of the way without us. Also, you can just go and uh, you can read my thoughts on every player this week for free. Although the entire worksheet is free this week. Uh, sharp, everything on Sharp Football site is free. It's free week over there, so you want to see my thoughts on Deontay Foreman officially uh, that we didn't touch on or John Bates or whatever, but you can check it out. I will be checking that out. Anything else you want to tell them as far as the, the Twitter handle, anything else you want to promote, by all means, let them know. No, I don't want anyone people. to tweet me at this point. <laughs> you don't want any start sick questions right now? <laughs> but I'm, I'm seven and three, man. I'm going to make the playoffs, baby. We'll see. Depending on who, which guy you pick for me. No tweets. No tweets. John, I, I want to start sick question. I, I, what do I tweet you for that? Never. Just <laughs> walk into hell and never come back. Um, at J Daigle on Twitter, if you really want to do that, there's no guarantee I answer. As I tell everyone, because they do slip in the start sets on like Tuesday, and I tell everyone, even the best possible answer, not only myself, but anyone gives you on a start set on Wednesday is the worst possible answer because you're asking the question with the least possible amount of news. So just don't ask it. Like maybe slip in like an hour before kickoff. I've had a few drinks getting ready for the Thursday night game. I might be kind enough to be like, okay, now I'll rattle off some quick answers for you because I have the information in hand. But Tuesday and Wednesday, like we're just wasting each other's time. Let's not even do that. Let's just enjoy life. Let's uh, remember that everyone is going to be injured by Friday and let's just try to get through this thing together. There you have it. Two of the absolute best in the business. John Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis. Check out his stuff. It's free this week. John Daigle, NBC Sports, a good football show podcast. I was Dean for Rotogrounders.com. This was the NFL Pick 6 Week 11 show. Good luck this week. We're out of here. Holler. Holler.